0: Blessed to know the best, oh my god, it's the Pretty Left Hook, I'm your guy, Rhett Pretty Butler. Don't hate the pretties with an eye, cause it means gritty, and we talking boxing, MMA, and everything pugilistic. <laughs> Welcome to the Pretty Left Hook, I'm your man, Brett Pretty Butler, with all the fight knowledge you could ever want more. I'm polarizing, I talk trash, and I get in that ass. You ready? Because I am. Let's go. Blessed to know the best at all times. Oh my God, it's your guy, Red Butler, hitting you with that pretty left hook, hitting you in your goddamn liver. Heather the Heat Hardy's in the building, y'all. What else, Forecaster Nation? Heather, what's up? Hi, how are
1: you? Thank you for coming by. Thank you for having me. I know you couldn't
0: wait. I know there's a lot going on. I appreciate this very much.
1: Oh, me too. New
0: York zone. Heather the Heat, Brooklyn, stand up. This is awesome, by the way. I'm a New York person. I'm a New York native, so to have you here with all well, everything you've done in boxing and now MMA, big treat.
1: Thanks. And we
0: thank you for everything that you've done, by the way.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: I want to talk about just being a New Yorker and, and fighting here. I mean, how big is it for you to be able to fight in the garden? A two-sport athlete, why don't you? You done fought already in Barclays and Coney. You did, I mean, you did it all out here. <laughs> how does, does New York show the love back? Do you feel it?
1: Oh, my gosh. I, I love my city. I love to put on for my city. Nice. When it's it would be like the equivalent of playing on the Yankees, you know, right. like you get to be a hometown girl yes. fighting at the same place that Billy Joel plays his piano. Right, right. So exciting.
0: That's huge. You are a two-sport athlete. So I know probably for many, when they first heard you were going into MMA, there might have been some shock from the boxing community. Like, what? Why? She's undefeated. She's boxing. What was the motivation um, to even go into the cage versus the ring?
1: Well, I'll be honest. It was uh, it was financial decision. Mm. Like boxing is my love. It's my first, my very first love. Absolutely. Um, but I went. 50, I was on my fifteenth pro fight. I was fifteen and zero, right. defending my world title at the Barclays Center, and um, sold forty thousand dollars in tickets mm. and, against the number two contender, and um, they put my fight on before they even opened the doors. What? So I walked out into the ring. To grill on fire and not one person clapped their hands for me. And that wow. was that was life-changing. That was a win that felt like a loss. And I knew that it was time that I had to move forward in my career.
0: Mm, that's crazy. Do you feel like boxing fans just don't get it? Like, wh- how come they haven't attached to women's boxing in the same way that have attached to women's MMA?
1: Well, I don't think it's really the fans. Um, I think that women, uh, it's 2012 before women were even allowed to box in the Olympics. So women is, uh, boxing is so far behind the times. Now we're getting girls like Clarissa Shields and Katie Taylor, Michaela Meyer, uh, Marlon Esparza, all these girls who came from the 2012 and 2016 Olympic classes, Mm -hmm. who are getting a little bit of recognition. But you know, when I was boxing pro and and these Olympic girls were still, like, making their way through the amateurs, it was almost nonexistent. I was screaming all by myself.
0: Mm. When you look at the Clarissa Shields of the world, um, now, you know, she's calling herself the GOAT and all this good stuff. Do you think you needed somebody like her to kind of, like, break through boundaries? And do you think that there's going to be more attention now focused on the women's game in
1: boxing. I do. I do think that boxing needed someone like Clarissa Shields, not just to go out and prove that women can fight, because we've been doing that for a long time. But she went out and won two Olympic gold medals and did something that no man... No man has ever done. Right. No and, other athlete in yeah. US sports. Yes. It's crazy. And so so that was tremendous in and of itself. And if right. you marry that with her charisma, her attitude, the way she supports other women. Right. I mean, she walked out to one of her press conferences wearing my T shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I remember that. so she's that was a she's, good moment. Yeah, it sure was. <laughs> she she's a champion in a lot more ways than one.
0: Do you guys talk a lot in terms of the female boxers? Do you guys you know, just politic about the game, you know what I'm saying? Like share tips, share information in relation to like negotiations, like, do you guys have that kind of camaraderie?
1: Um, there are a handful of us, like, okay. the, throughout the, the ranks that are all close friends. Um, Clarissa and I have known each other since the amateurs, mm-hmm. so we we keep in close contact whenever she's in New York. Nice. I give her my office code so she can okay. use my office at the gym. <laughs> she's honestly one of the sweetest kids you'll ever meet. Right. And I almost hate to call her a kid, but she is. <laughs> right, absolutely.
0: Um, you're st- are you still the current WBC International Female Featherweight Champ? I'm the
1: current WBO World okay. Champion.
0: Okay, perfect. How do you find balance in relation to training MMA, also being a boxer, also being a champ in boxing, and being mom, by the way? We can't Mm -hmm. forget that. Um, How do you find the balance to juggle all these worlds?
1: I think that it's um, the same way that any career – mother does. Whether you're a fighter or a doctor or a teacher or a nurse, you have to figure out a way to balance it because you honestly have no other choice. So um, I got a lot of balls in the air right <laughs> now, but fortunate to have a very understanding, self-sufficient daughter who's made it up through my career with me nice. how old's your daughter by the way 15
0: Oh, okay sweet i got an eight-year-old son you already know i still got a rug rat yeah it's crazy
1: yeah mine's grown she's nice. like a roommate who just doesn't pay <laughs>
0: i always ask parents this especially because i work um in the combat industry and, and my mother like i remember for myself i love boxing right but my mother would never let me box she was like no she wouldn't even want me to play football i i broke that rule but if your daughter ever said ma i want to box would you allow her to do it?
1: I always say I'd rather her in that ring fighting than holding them cards. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I
0: feel you. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to take that into consideration with my little man because he's crazy shit. <laughs> and he wants to hit something. Um, jiu-jitsu, wrestling. When you started matriculating into mixed martial arts and took this shit seriously, at what point did you realize, look, this wrestling, this jiu-jitsu, this is a whole other gamut. I don't even know if you do Muay Thai um, talk about that experience and just learn the learning process it takes for you coming from one sport to now learn other sports that have all become one sport in essence.
1: Um, it's cha- very challenging, but also a lot easier and the same. And I'll explain that. Mm. I'm th- I turned pro in MMA when I was 35, got so you. trying to do a new sport at 35 yeah, yeah. with a 35 year old body well, <laughs> was you. not the easy thing. Shout out thing. to my 39 year old body.
0: We're still in the game. We Ain't still no in
1: We're still in it, but, you know, there is a real thing about learning something at 12 and learning something at 35. Um, But the other thing is, like, I know what it takes to be a champion in boxing, and, and I'm somewhat of a fight nerd in that I learned boxing through the science, through the mental awareness of how to execute a punch and the defense and the moves. And to be able to apply that to another sport, I mean, my coach always tells me, if you can do one thing, you can do anything. You just apply the same principles across the board. So I'm finding the transition challenging, but also fun.
0: Yeah, I know you were with Hensel Gracie before, now you're with Sarah Longo. Um, Chris Weidman's one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners out here. Yeah, a lot of dudes, obviously Matt Serra, former champ. What's the what's the energy like in this new gym? You know, Aljamain Sterling just did his thing in Chicago. Mm-hmm. What's the what's what's it like in there? I mean, and and has this change been a, a good thing? and something that you looked forward to? Um, based on your experiences from Henzo's?
1: Um, well, you know, I had great experiences at Henzo's. There was no reason for me to leave that was a bad experience. It was just a transition, you know, nice. um, time in my life, location of my job, things like that. So Got I would it. never say a bad thing about Henzo Gracie. I awesome. love him as a man, no as God. a person. He's an incredible human. Yes. And the system there is is second to none, as with nice. the training partners, coaches. But I say that to say this. I love my team at law. I mean, nice. the, you walk in there and everybody says, like, Oh, Heather's fighting. We'll stop mm. what they're doing to come over and help, to come over and wow. coach, to come over, hold pads, or give you better advice on how to do something. I mean, every person in that gym has, has helped me with some aspect of my game.
0: Mm. How do you feel now? Um, with your jiu do you feel like it's improving? I know,
1: feel like it's, it's it's been the most important thing so far, right? Everyone's like, okay, well, if I was going to fight you, I'd get you down on the ground. Yeah. How do we do that? And it's not really just about learning jujitsu and learning how to survive down there, but f- figuring out how to use my strengths down there. How do you mm-hmm. strike? How do you move? How do you get your head out of the way? How do you stay as evasive on the ground as you do mm-hmm. on your feet? So it's, it's been challenging but fun.
0: <laughs> when you made the announcement that you were going to become a mixed martial artist, Was there, because I can only assume there might have been a bidding war in relation to like UFC, Bellator. Like, what was that process like? Were you getting vetted by other companies, even 1FCs? Like, what was that all like? Because clearly, for you as a pro and a champ to cross over, to me, that was major. You know what I'm saying?
1: Uh, Well, we did hear from Invicta, and I almost had my first fight with Invicta, actually, and then the opponent fell through like two days before, and it never happened, and there was some talk from a manager from other companies, but when I heard Bellator was going to do the garden, and I had an opportunity in 2017 to make my pro debut in the big garden, Mm -hmm. I... They could have asked me to have a sword fight. There, yeah, I would have did yeah, it. You yeah. know, I'm a New Yorker. I said, "Let's do right. it. Let's figure it out. I'll make it happen." So
0: I remember after you won too. The first thing you said was, "I loved it." Yeah, I remember that. And um, just what was that like? Was how was was there jitters? Like just that whole experience. Not only is it the garden, but I mean, the stage you were on was massive.
1: I remember. And they um, promoted you. I know. Well, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Better than boxing ever did. Yes. I I would say like. Um, it, the probably my most memorable moment was because I've done so many fights in New York. I'm very familiar with the Athletic Commission, sure. George, and all the sure. you know the inspectors and stuff. So when I was backstage. George kind of, op- who was the head mm-hmm. of the New York Athletic Commission, like, opened up the curtains, right. and I looked out on the cage, and, like, I grabbed his arm, and I was like, George, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> and he was like, Heather, you'll be fine. It's just like a boxing match. Just go out and punch the girl in the face. That's it. <laughs> and I was just like, what am I doing? Like, the magnitude of it all settled in, like, right mm. before I made my cage walk. <laughs> wow,
0: that's huge. Um, again, because you are a boxer as well, do women's women boxers need MMA to survive. Is it one of those things now where it's kind of like, you have to become a two sport athlete to not only get the dough, but to get even the bigger fanfare that MMA is now providing.
1: I definitely think that the fanfare has helped. It's brought some more attention back to my boxing, um, brought me a bigger fan base. And, you know, like social media is everything nowadays. It really is. It's like your business card. And when you have a big social media following, people listen to you because they know that other people are listening to you. So it, it definitely helped me in that sense. But is a lot of us box because we love boxing. Mm. You know, a lot of us go into the sport knowing that we maybe never would make any money off of it because when the girls that I came up with and especially the class of girls from before me, there were no Clarissa Shields. There were Mm. no girls boxing in the Olympics, you know. Sally Ride said, you can't be what you can't see. And for a long time, we didn't know. Like, when I went out there and said, I'm going to make something of this, nobody really did it before. So we didn't know what to expect.
0: Do you feel like the game gives you the recognition as a pioneer in boxing?
1: I do think that the the girls do. You know, I don't I can't speak for fans or anything because women's boxing is still kind of making its way out there. Right. And then you have girls like like a Clarissa Shields who's a gold medalist, two time gold medalist, a Katie Taylor who's, you know, Ireland's hero. Right. Um, where I'm kind of stuck in the shadows with them, but I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. No <laughs> like, I'm okay where I am. I'm proud of myself and what I've done. A little beach rat from South Brooklyn <laughs> to come up here and be talking to you guys and taking pictures with a champion.
0: Hey. You know? Yeah, we put some jewels on, too. I know. You know what I'm saying?
1: Like, like girl, people from my neighborhood, when I grew up, you grew up in working, lower-to-working-class neighborhoods, mm-hmm. survival is promoted, not growth. So you don't think that you'll ever Heather get Hardy to just do got anything. deep. Hold on, we're gonna, we gonna,
0: we gonna <laughs> let that shit marinate for a minute. That didn't go over my head, Heather Hardy. Hold on, <laughs> might have to run that shit back. You said some real <sighs> shit right there. Hold on,
1: it's very true. <laughs> okay, it's very true. So to be where I am, looking back at my whole life, I'm proud of my career. I don't feel like a pioneer or mm. a champion or anything. Just someone who made it happen.
0: Nice. You know, it's funny because we all know boxing is racially polarizing, right? All combat sports. And when you look at, like, okay, it, it was like Leila Lee was, like, the top black girl, so to speak. And you had the Christy Martins. Like, they always promote people in certain ways. And I like the way you promote it, right, because it's, it's super organic. It's super organic. Like, there was never really, like, a stigma attached to you. It's just you just go in and handle your business. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty important because I feel like sometimes we, they try to, like, create these archetypes with fighters. And sometimes the fighter themselves is able to break out of an archetype and just fight. And I think you're one of the people that, as an example, have done that. You know what I'm saying? Personally. That's just my little my opinion. You know, I'm putting some heat on my shit. Thanks. Um, you're an outspoken advocate against domestic violence, sexual assault, and all that good stuff. And unfortunately, there's been, there's been a lot going on in MMA with the male fighters where there's been a lot of domestic violence issues. When you hear about this stuff or see this kind of stuff, you know, even you being in the gym, which clearly are predominantly male-dominated, You know, what do you think about the tonality in relation to what machismo masculinity, toxic masculinity, um, as an advocate? And do you see things that or situations that you've been able to diffuse or just people that have, you know, things going on that maybe that you as a fighter are seeing things that you're like, you know what, maybe take this guy to the side or just a little too much going on in their personal life?
1: Um, I think that uh, there's a very different... Perception of fighters. Like, yeah, you have um, toxic masculinity, but you have that, and you have domestic violence against all different mm. areas. It's not just at the gym. Like, there's a very, um, how do you say, like, respectful atmosphere yes. inside a Gleason's gym, a boxing gym, an MMA gym, because people always say, like, 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 my male fighters and coworkers and friends, that they don't understand how people don't respect women because they work alongside us and see that we work just as hard, if not harder than they do. Like Joan Guzman, who's a multiple time world champion, always says like, one time he walked past me on the step where I was in my plastics losing weight, and he said, I almost know what that feels like. Mm. Because he knew what it felt like to cut weight but not to go home and have a kid and have a full-time Man. job and do all the things. So right. and as far as the, the fight community goes, you very rarely see a fighter lose their temper with among mm. each other because right. we're all there for a job for a reason. Right. I mean, in real life, you see it everywhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm.
0: I mean, clearly because, you know, the war machine situation that happened, I mean, that shit was crazy, you know, and, and, and we don't know if there was, you know, drugs involved or other things, but... You know, just in general, it, it, it start, the media, to me, on some level, especially, like, national media, is trying to, like, transition male MMA fighters into the box of, like, raging animals on some level. And I, I don't like that because it's clearly not the majority. But there is sort of, like, this new national feeling that, well, these guys fight in cages. Are they also going home doing things to their wives? Like, how do you, you know, address this? And is are our promoters at fault for not, like, giving these guys counseling? You know, I know the UFC does like the fighters retreat, but there does more need to be done on a promoter side to kind of like do interventions or stem off some things that might be happening.
1: Well, it's funny that you say that, because as soon as I sat down, you said, wow, you're really soft spoken. Mad
0: soft spoken. I thought she was about to make some cookies.
1: <laughs> and the truth <laughs> is, is most fighters are like you mentioned, Rage and Ally Kinta, yes. quietest guy in the gym, yeah, you yes. know, so not to say that it's a promoter's responsibility to get them counseling you just wonder how much is for the public like mm-hmm. as as much as we are crazy because you have to be slightly but, crazy yeah, to yeah. do what we do for a living yeah. and then to like she smiles while she says yeah <laughs> <the time. laughs> but at the same time you know a lot of it is just for the cameras and for show. Like, sure like these are like some of the nicest most respectful guys i remember i'm doing um with child's son and the the guy who's doing the main event yep. and we were doing um a press conference and when i left one of my friends was like w- did you do anything crazy like what did he, what is he like and mm-hmm. i'm like he was like my dad <laughs> <laughs> like he's like the quietest night, what do you mean and right. i had no idea he was like this big personality you know very, very so. interesting
0: if I'm not mistaken. You went to John Jay College of Criminal Justice. Yes, I have my degree psychology. in forensic psych. <laughs> so, if you weren't fighting, we would see you on some SVU Special Victims Unit type shit.
1: <laughs> no, because you know they still tape
0: out here in New York. <laughs> <Bible.
1: laughs> I w- didn't study acting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Shout out to Ice T, yeah. former gangster.
1: <laughs> Fuck
0: the police and all, mom. I <laughs> wanted, I wanted <laughs> to join the
1: FBI and travel oh, the world and shit. fight crime. Serious? That was my dream. Yeah.
0: Damn. Mm-hmm. So Heather Hardy might have been busting criminals and yeah. shit.
1: I don't know. We might have lost out
0: with this right here, man. Yeah, maybe energy, maybe girl.
1: after my fight career. Who knows?
0: Is there another career after this?
1: Uh perhaps. Crushing it. Yeah. I need some
0: of that Heather to Heat Hardy energy out this bitch. <laughs> She's about to be a fucking fed. It's a lot going on, Heather. Yeah. Um Taylor Turner. What 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 do you know about this young lady? Do you do you think that um she has the skills to give you a real challenge on this weekend.
1: Well, I I respect everyone that I step in the cage with. I'm a baby when it comes to MMA. Mm. So I know that she had a tough beginning of her career, changed coaches, got with a better team, win, won three of her last three and two inside the – first round stoppages so I, I know I'm getting someone who's kind of on a roll someone who's strong someone whose game is and team is improved um but I don't watch tape that okay. freaks me out too much like really? I overthink too much not even in my boxing career 25 pro fights never watched tape serious yep let it That's I leave awesome. it to my team my coaches they train wow. me how they feel I need to be and start to f- camp finish camp I mean My favorite thing is my last sparring session. My sparring partners asked my coach, is Heather mad at me? (laughs) (laughs) So I think I did good.
0: (laughs) Wow. Do you think that's a a tactic most fighters should take in relation to just staying kind of centered on themselves and not worried about the person in front of them?
1: I do because you you have to react when you go in there. It's like – You know, you can have all the game plans in the world, and sometimes you see fights and people say like, I stuck to the game plan and it worked, great. But great fighters make adjustments. And if someone comes in and does something to me that's working for them, I'm gonna change. Mm. That's the way I think of it. If you're beating me, I'm gonna do something and make you do something different, Mm. right? It's like problem solving.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of making adjustments or the lack of, did you see the Anthony Joshua Andy Ruiz fight? I did. What did you think about this? And what, what did you see as a boxer with this, what they're calling the upset of the year right now.
1: Mm-hmm. We're only
0: six months in. They're saying it's yeah. the upset of the whole Oh, year. it
1: was, okay. man. What
0: did you see? What, why was Andy Ruiz so successful?
1: Um, I think he was successful because Joshua wasn't successful. Mm. Right? I don't think he did anything spectacular, and people are going to hate me for saying that because Ruiz is just the nicest guy on the planet, right? And cool. everybody, you know you give champions credit when it's due. He worked hard his whole career. He earned right. his titles. Yes, I believe that 100%. Right. But, you know, he caught him with, with a good shot. He
0: did. A few. Yeah. Did you think, think he was going to hit the campus that many times? No. but <laughs> right.
1: I, um, Did anybody? No. no. <laughs> But I think after that first big oh, shot man. and put him on his ass, that kind yeah. of took Joshua into another right. planet for a couple. That was rounds. like a
0: straight Rocky situation.
1: Yeah, it was. It was shocking.
0: Man, um, Triple G's back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm only I'm asking you all this stuff because you said you're a fight nerd, so I know you I am a fight
1: nerd. Stuff. I am a fight nerd. When
0: you saw, I saw a different Triple G. I saw a Triple G that was a little more patient. Didn't run straight into it. I.e. Mexican style, whatever he wants to call it. And um, he was a lot more measured, you know. I don't. Th- am I wrong? Did you see that as well? Like,
1: well, I, I'm sure. I, I the first two rounds, mm. I thought to myself, why is he being nice to this guy on purpose? Yes. Yes. I that's said, How? I think That's what I mean. Because yeah. he was picking when he was going right. to knock him out. I think his coach told him after the second round, like, "All right, stop it," because as soon as you went in in the third, you could see he was all business. Mm. You could tell he wasn't. Like he's he's made that. Um, comment before that sometimes he plays for the fans he does it for the fans um but I knew from the first jab he took and Mm -hmm. he was playing
0: when you saw um, Canelo Triple G one and two did you see a definitive winner in one and did you definitely think that Canelo won two
1: um knowing the politics of boxing I knew it would go that way could have went the other way but I knew it would go that way Canelo win with the Canelo win. I knew it would go that way. Really, and when the draw, I thought Triple G took the first one. Okay, I really did.
0: Right, the Adelaide Bird judge scorecard was yeah. Uh, what
1: is this? A little wild, <laughs> <A> little wild. <laughs> but bo- that's the politics of boxing, man. You right. go in knowing that sometimes you're gonna have to crawl from the bottom of the box. Mm.
0: Why don't we ever like like I feel like there's no real like chin checking of judges, and are they even using like old? Um, systems to train these folks now because it always seems like it's always the judge's decision that kind of throws off what looks to be like a pretty well-run fight situation what what, what is it about this like
1: every judge because there's no set of standard for how to score around every judge decides mm-hmm. how they own you've heard pe- judges say that they score based on power punches right. and then you hear other judges say they score based on you know who's commanding the ring and who just looked like they won i mean right. they just make decisions and unfortunately you can't be in a spot where you see all the action where you know what's going on some things look different than they are i mean i know that just from sparring sessions i'll go to the corner and my coach will yell at me and i'll be like why are you yelling i beat the shit out of her right. and i don't know what you saw over here <laughs> <Right. Absolutely. laughs>
0: yeah yeah i did want to talk about your last fight against anaholton mm-hmm. um, mainly because it was dope to me to see two boxing champions compete in MMA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know it's a fight she wanted for a long time. Um, but just the fact that that did happen, when that when, when you're in a cage with another former or current boxer, I guess in her case, uh, former, do you see, like, where she's trying to do something? In M- like, you know what I'm saying? Like, is there, like, that a, that adjustment component in MMA that you saw as a boxer, like, oh, you ain't, you can't do that shit yet. Mm-hmm. Like, is there... <laughs>
1: It wound up being a very boring jiu-jitsu match, I know that. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, we're both inexperienced. Her coach probably told her you have more jujitsu than Heather, get her on the ground. I was working with a really, really experienced, high level wrestling and black belt jiu-jitsu from Henzo's, sure. who was my coach at the time and was preparing me for everything she was gonna do. Mm-hmm. And um, while it was a huge moment in personal growth that my bad jujitsu was right. better than her more experienced bad <laughs> jujitsu. Uh I realized more it wasn't get bad. Yeah. I realized it wasn't a fan favorite. And God. before I'm a fighter. Right. I'm a performer, so we have to really abandon that style of fighting and go back to what I know how to do best.
0: What do you like better, boxing or MMA at this point?
1: Um, I love boxing. Boxing is my heart and soul, but MMA is where I think I'm going to finish out my career.
0: Nice. It's interesting because now that Conor McGregor fought Floyd Mayweather, you have a lot of male MMA fighters like lining up a hit list of who they want in the boxing yeah. game. Do you see more of those matchups happening? And is boxing always going to overtake an MMA fighter trying to become a
1: boxer? I think that a boxer is always gonna overtake an MMA fighter, knowing and training in both sports. uh, Boxing focuses on hitting and not getting hit. There isn't too much in MMA that focuses on not getting hit. (laughs) You know, like so many times I'll be training and we'll hear, take that shot, but then do this. Take that Uh, shot and then do this. You don't hear that in boxing at all. So it's a different mentality. It would take a lot of preparation and it's a lot of switch over time, fight position, stance, angles. Like all those things that are so boring to talk about, mm-hmm. like because I'm a fight nerd, <laughs> um, really take into consider you have to take into consideration when switching between both sports. It was not easy for me right. to fight Anna in February and then get in a boxing ring in April. Man. I'll never do that again. I right. need time to readjust back, especially at it. this level. Damn, that's crazy. I forgot you did that. Yeah, <laughs> you crazy as shit. I know. <laughs> You're
0: fucking awesome. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> Who was your favorite boxer?
1: My favorite? Female or male, yeah. Alicia Ashley. Oh, wow. She was a former WCL kickboxer, Mm. and she was my very first coach, and my current coach's sister. But she's a six-time world champion, former Alvin dancer, and perhaps one of the most— Damn, really? Yeah. She is uh, in the Guinness Book of World Records as the oldest Mm. world title holder. She was 51. She's older than b And she's a legend. Most, you gotta look her up on YouTube. I, I gotta look this up. Alicia a fight Ashley. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> like a fighting encyclopedia. <laughs> like
0: That's awesome. Who's your favorite uh, mixed martial artist if you have one?
1: Um, it's hard to say because honestly, yeah, I'm embarrassed to say I don't watch too much, but I kind of came up with uh, Blonde Fighter Chikagian, Caitlin Chikagian. Oh, okay. And I have more respect for her. Mm. Possibly because I've seen the journey she's taken, how much, how dedicated she is to it, and how hard she works. That kid works so hard and always has, Mm -hmm. and is one of the nicest, most humble fighters. Mm -hmm. She just had a big win this weekend, too. So, yeah.
0: Do you look at a Lucia Riker and say, like, because again, Clarissa Shields calling us off the quote. Is that a title really that she should say right now when you look at other folks like a Lucia Riker or? Do you think that this younger woman has the opportunity right now to say, like, "I am the greatest woman of all time"?
1: Of course, she can. She can say anything she feels she wants to say. I believe that the girl, the kid, came through the amateurs. One, I don't know how many fights, yeah. but what is she's like something in one? Right. She only lost one fight, right? She is a two time. Olympic gold medalist, mm-hmm. an undisputed world champion in nine fights, she's hard pressed to find anyone with a resume as big as hers, and she's managed to branch herself out doing mainstream media appearances. People know who she is on the street. She's become right. somewhat of a celebrity. So who the hell is, is whether she is or she isn't the greatest woman of all time? Who whose spot is it to tell her that she's not?
0: Absolutely. Dice. Last question. Mm-hmm. Paulie Malignaggi recently announced that he's going to be a bare knuckle fighter. Whether it's a one off or not, bare knuckle fighting is here. Do you think that this is good for combat sport athletes, especially towards the tail end of their career, that there's now another option? Or is this something that's just too brutal? And cats are just going in a direction that just seems like it's going to be damaging to their body.
1: I think like like my coach Blimp always says, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Mm. So if they ain't paying, that's high risk, low reward. You know what I'm saying? But for people like I thought about it, Pauly thought, you know, it's going to do it. It's like boxing is what we do best. You're going to give me an MMA fighter to hit with my knuckles with no gloves on? Okay. <laughs> right got you got him <laughs> to this day yeah alright sign me up they just ain't paying good so it don't make sense but you know if it ever turned around that they start paying look at my knuckles hey come on <laughs> Yeah, Yo, your knuckles ain't damn damn shit's real yeah. out
0: there. don't fucking get hit by Heather Hardy uh uh
1: Now with no yeah. not with no gloves yeah no no
0: gloves Shit's. I'm a bitch right <laughs> now <laughs> god damn yo Forbes is calling this a 1000000000 the next billion dollar sport by the way that's what got me bare hey. knuckles yeah no lie alright I'ma sit tight okay listen <laughs> she said she got another career in it. we don't know it could be forensic or bare knuckling your ass to yeah. death. you know what I mean Heather we appreciate you so much oh thank you so good much love for it. having Everything me you do, you're awesome thank you we're gonna trade recipes cause we parents out mm-hmm. here and all that type of good shit yes and you know what we just hit you in your goddamn liver Rate, comment, subscribe, and like Pretty Left Hook on SoundCloud and iTunes.